So we have been in a series called God Over Money. And this morning I want to talk to you about what lasts longer than money as we close this series, God Over Money. Amen? On April 13th, Tuesday night, we're going to have a webinar, me and, and a good friend of mine down in Richmond, Virginia. We're going to stream it, record it, put it out there, because if you know me at all, and I got family here, they'll be able to tell you, my mom, my sister, I'm not like a financial whiz, I don't pretend to be. I preach from the Word of God, <laughs> the principles, but we're going to break it down We're going to break down the practicalities of understanding credit, of understanding debt. Amen? And and ask really difficult questions and and answer them in in a way like, how do I move from one spot to another financially? And so I'm the guy that knows the dumb questions to ask. (laughs) And I got a good friend who has a real passion for understanding things and going into depth. So that will be online. We'll also have a women's fellowship coming up in April where the women will get together. And when they get together, they're going to talk about how they shop, how, how they, you know what I mean? Like, how do you put together stuff? Um, because we can learn things from each other. Amen? There's, there's, there's like ways we can save money and Maybe you're in a spot where you don't need that, but a lot of us are, and we need as much help as we can get from each other. Amen? God wants you to be a wise manager over your money, and that's true of every area of your life. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So what I want to share with you this Easter morning is something that's going to help you right now, but also forever. Amen? The title of my sermon is, What Lasts Longer Than Money? What Lasts Longer Than Money? Let's, let's read from our main text. This is Luke 12, 13 to 36. Luke chapter 12, 13 to 26. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrary between you? Then he said to them, watch out and be on guard against all kinds of greed. Somebody say greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid down for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be. Whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. Do, they do not sow or reap, but they have no stored house or barn, and yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? This is the word of our Lord. Amen. You know, maybe we could be sympathetic to this brother. Maybe the brother had a good reason. You know, you can imagine waiting for some money. You can imagine that you are right. And Jesus is here, and Jesus is in the crowd, and he's like, my brother isn't sharing his inheritance with me. Now, if that were a situation you were in, and your parents died, and your brother had all the money, and you were in the struggle, now Jesus walks down. Yeah, Jesus is like, he's got some pull, amen? He's someone that people are going to listen to. And so he's like, Jesus, tell my brother to share what he owes to me. Jesus is here, and he's like, I want my blessing I want things to be fair. I want things to be right. Don't we believe that Jesus is supposed to fix what's wrong? Don't we often approach Jesus this way? Which to us, if we're honest, most of the time means, Lord, see things my way. Right? That's what we mean by make things fair. Lord, help my husband, help my dope wife, help my, you know, kids see things the way that I see them. But Jesus doesn't give the blessing this man was chasing, but a lesson he was avoiding. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't give the blessing he was chasing. He gives a lesson that he was avoiding. Jesus doesn't tell the guy's brother to split the inheritance, but he tells a story instead. And he says, once there was this rich man, and he stored up for himself, and he was just kicking back, and he said, I have so much stuff, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. And brothers and sisters, for five weeks, we've been talking about being a good manager of your money. And this man had his money right. He wasn't wasting anything. He didn't have no car payment, right? He, didn't, he owned out his home outright. He had zero debts. He had something to leave his kids. He had that app on his phone, right, where he tracked and he balanced his budget. All these things that we've been encouraging you to do. This man had it down. He had his ducks in a row. But for those who've been paying attention to the series, we know that he was missing one great thing. And we preached about this last week. He was rich towards himself. And he was stingy to God. And God said, you fool. Your very soul is required of you tonight. In the past, 
five weeks, my prayer has been that you will store up more, that you would be a better manager of what God has given you, have self-control, that you would learn how to track your debts, your income, right, your expenses, that you'd understand how credit and debt work, that you would pay off that court fee that's outstanding for an eviction three years ago so you can get your credit into a spot where you can move from being in a spot you don't want to be into, applying for that other spot that's better for you. Amen? To go from living with relatives to making it on your own, to, to go from renting to owning a home, to go from paycheck to paycheck, to having something to share with others, to having something saved up so your, your saved up plan isn't every time there's a crisis, your plan isn't GoFundMe.com. Amen? But you and I will be a fool if we learn how to count our money but not care for our souls, right? You and I would be a fool if all we got out of this was let's be good managers of our money. <laughs> and we learn how to count our money but not care for our souls. Even if we're dead broke, hear me, even if you're dead broke, it is still possible to be rich with yourself, with the little you have, and stingy to God. <laughs> you know, at Epiphany, we've had seven, I've had seven funerals since January. This is a small upstart church. We're going to celebrate our third birthday in a month. So that's a lot. That's not normal. Only one of those funerals was somebody over 50. The other six were under 50. Money doesn't leave. Money doesn't mean anything compared to your life. Last Friday, we had a good, incredible night. We heard from seven preachers preaching the seven last words uttered by Jesus on the cross. We remembered that God loves us so much that he willingly lay down his life for us on that cross. And today we gather with millions of Christians around the world to testify that our bodies are not ultimate, that our money isn't ultimate, that our freedom isn't ultimate, but that God is ultimate. And what he gives us lasts forever. So whatever your dysfunction with money is, if you work too hard or if you got a little of that spirit of bumness in you, if you're disabled and your situation is fixed, if you've never had anyone show you how to work money, or maybe you just blow it as soon as you get it, eating out into addiction, whatever it might be, stress shopping on Amazon, amen, whatever it might be. I want you to hear the words of our Lord this Easter morning. I just read them in the beginning of the message. Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Let me make that plain, make that Gloucester. The one who dies with the most toys doesn't win. Some of us have gained in the last year. Some of us have lost more than we can count. And the losses are still coming. Loss of family, the loss of business, the loss of a home. Others are like, you know what? I got checks from the government for my kids. I never seen that much money come in, amen? So we're all in these different spots in life. And others might just be like, last year sucked, 
the year before sucked, and you feel kind of hopeless that things would ever change. And I got a word for you this morning. There's a reason Jesus told us not to worry, that he takes care of the birds, and you are so much more valuable than the birds. He told us that you can't add a single hour to your life by worrying. In fact, we know, right, if you have a ton of stress in your life, you're not going to add hours to your life. You're going to be taking hours from your life. You know, Jesus said in another passage in Matthew, he says, you can't add a, a single hair to your head. And I can speak representing the, the bald community that I can't even add one hair to my head. <laughs> he was right. I have a friend. He's a, one of our ministers in training. He's also an ICU nurse. And uh, he told me about how this pandemic has just hit different. It's just hit different because normally, uh, sadly, a part of that life of being an ICU nurse, people come in, they have a massive coronary issue. You see them coming in, you kind of don't get to know them. You try to save their life. Sometimes it doesn't work out. They die in the hospital. But with this COVID, what would happen is person after person would come. Person after person would come in and they would have certain breathing issues. And he would begin to ask them while they were fairly uh, healthy still, well, what's the names of your kids? What are their contacts? And he had to learn how to do this because, it, uh, because over and over again, he would watch people's health slip and get more and more dependent on oxygen and then start to need other machines to help him breathe. And so he's, he's, he's talking with them, but he's also taking notes because he's been through it so many times, month after month, where he's going to have to call these kids up and take his own phone and do video conferences so that the kids can say goodbye to their mom and to their dad and to their uncle and to their aunt. You know, some of us have gone through that kind of loss with addiction, right? As family member after family member has been taken out by the plague, by the pandemic of drugs and alcohol. And we watch people slowly slip away from life again and again. And I want to tell you something. This is the bad news, but the good news is coming. Money doesn't last even our family doesn't last. And we have never felt that more than we've felt in the last year for many of us. Your home, your business, your car, the people that you care and love, they could be here today, gone tomorrow. What in the world can we sink our hope in? We can't work our way out of our problems. Listen, we've been talking about being a good steward, be a good manager. But I need you to know that none of us will be good enough managers of our physical health, our financial health, our relational health to avoid death. (laughs) 
None of us are going to have all the, 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 the seven steps to whatever freedom. All, you could read all the self-help books that have ever been written. You will die. The one who told this story about the rich man who is stingy with God, who told us not to put our faith in our own strength, in our own bodies, in our own health, or our own money. He is the one who died on the cross. Jesus can talk about being generous because he knows what he's talking about. The entire existence of Jesus is generosity, selflessness, and love. You ever been to a friend's house, um, maybe a relative or a friend of a friend, and you go to like, a place like Mocha Hill or Cherry Hill or Society Hill. How come all the nice spots are on hills? You know what I mean? And uh, I-, I can think of a spot that I was in, and they had a basement, and you could get lost in the basement. And the basement had, like, theater rooms, you know? And there was also, um, there was one room, they had a full bar, and they didn't have, like, bad beer. They had, like, good beer. You know what I mean? And I was like, I could just go in this basement and, like, live here forever. (laughs) Like, never leave. It has everything you want. Bathroom, a TV, 120-inch TV. You know what I mean? Has everything. Well, Jesus was in heaven. And heaven has no pain. It has no boredom. It has no tears. It has no regrets. It's nothing but joy exploding again and again like supernovas that no high on earth could ever reach. He left all that, and he came down to this ghetto of earth to live in a house without running water, without electricity, surrounded by sickness, death, and ministry. In a tiny, backward place in the Middle East where his own people were like, oh, that place, Nazareth? Like, you're not technically even from the real spot. Everywhere he went, he healed people's bodies. He gave people's hope. He loved us. He taught us how to live. In passages like I just read for you this morning, the money is, that money is a good servant, but a terrible God. He reminds us to run away from greed, but we put him on the cross. We laid him in a tomb. And brothers and sisters, he did not... Stay in that tomb. When he walked out of that tomb, he brought us with him. Amen. So even when we face helpless situations, sitting in the hospital with no path of recovery, when we are so in or over our heads financially, we have no idea how we can move forward. No idea how your marriages is going to come back from the dead. No idea how your children are going to stop whiling out. No idea how you're going to make it through this year. When Jesus rose from the dead, he broke every category of impossible in our lives. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are no longer stressing about how you're going to make it on your own. If you put your faith in Jesus, every single foolish thing you've ever done, every single selfish thing you've ever done, every single violent thing you've ever done, it is forgiven. Amen? If you put your faith in Jesus, you can live this life without 
greed, without worry. You can have a future. And you understand that your current predicament is not your permanent reality. (laughs) I need you to, to accept that. God will bless you with that truth. Your current situation, your current predicament is not your eternal reality in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, he broke out of that tomb. And I want you to taste this freedom, this joy, this love that he offers, this gospel, this good news that you can live a selfless life, not a selfish life. That you can live a life of love because you know you are loved so deeply by God. That you can live a generous life, not a greedy life, because God has been generous with you. And yes, sometimes things go from bad to worse. And and don't, you know... You don't have to let your hand off the wheel and give up. You know? Because God loves you. You know, we had people join the church just moments ago. And we cannot make a promise that everything's going to be all right. (laughs) You know? But we can make this promise. As long as I'm alive, as long as I'm able, be your pastor. And our church will hold hands together to the grave. And we have hope beyond the grave. Because when Jesus walked out of that grave, this is what the Bible teaches. That Jesus literally, a couple thousand years ago, that grave was opened up. And he walked out of it. And the Bible teaches us that he is the first but not the last. That each and every one of us will be raised to life again. And if we put our faith in him, we will be raised to glory. Amen? So receive this gift. And believe that every stress, every sleepless night, every selfish act, every tear you've cried will be wiped off your face. And it will be unimaginably worth it when you see him. Anybody ever have a friend or maybe someone they love that when they hug them, it makes all the problems go away? You know, I remember, I don't know if it's still true, but I remember when we were first married and I... I could be the reason for my wife's grief. Like the, the, the reason that she's mad and upset and distressed is because of me. But uh, I would hug her and it would make it better. <laughs> I want you to know that there's a hug waiting for you in heaven that's going to fix everything that's broken with you. He has risen from the dead and we will too. So what lasts more than money? You. You're more than your body. You're more than your health. You're more than your money or your lack thereof. You're more than the family you came from. And one day your very soul will be required of you. So I pray you would give it to God. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this Easter Sunday. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us things that last longer than even our family, last longer 
than our money, our health, than anything else. God, I praise you, Lord, for seeing folks come through and join. And we thank you for the others who will be coming and joining in the weeks to come. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have brought us life. And even though we have a lot of brokenness and we're in a lot of struggles, Lord, we can hold each other's hands through life. We can, we can do this journey. We don't have to be alone. Thank you, God, for sending your son, and thank you for sending your people. In Jesus' name, amen.